Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Radio Days, a podcast radio program that delves into the world of terrestrial radio. It's DJs and on-air personality, and you, all fans of radio as a medium. Here's your host, Ron. Hello and welcome to Radio Days, the podcast. Of course, you can hear this podcast on Buzzsprout and all the major podcast platforms, and you can also watch this show via YouTube and at ronrobbinsstudios.com. Very excited about this week's show as we're going to welcome a Detroit rock radio legend. But before we get to that special guest we got coming up today, I want to share with you as to why I produce this podcast. Um, I've made no secret. Fred Jacobs actually gave me the idea to, to do this. It's to promote the upcoming docuseries movie that I've produced about the history of radio. Radio Days 101 Years of Radio chronicles the history of radio from its early beginnings through radio serials to the emergence of music and rock and roll through the advent of FM radio taking over the airwaves all the way to current radio programming. Hear the stories from those who lived it among the personalities that appear in this docuseries, Dick Purton, Ken Calvert, Paul W. Smith, Doug Podell, JoJo Shuddy McGregor, Fred Jacobs, Jill Forsyth, Art Regner, John O'Leary, Duke Fakur, Greg Henson, Chuck Santoni, Greg Russell, <gasps> Brian Pastoria, Michael Persh, Karen D'Alessandro, and many, many more. So to learn more about this docuseries, head over to ronrobinsonstudios.com. You're going to like this. Check it out. In this episode, which is brought to you by Team 71 Mortgage Group and Radio Days the Movie, today we're going to take a dive into the radio career of one Trudy Daniel. So without further ado, here is the legend herself, the <laughs> Trudy Daniels. Hey, Trudy, how are you? I'm great. I'm uh, I'm honored to be among all of those uh, great radio actual legends. And uh, how you doing? Thanks for inviting me, right? Of course. You know what? I, I don't know you there very well, but from the people I've talked to that do know you a little bit better than I do, you're very humble. But I, I, I don't know. If you grew up in the Detroit area and, and, and you, you listened to the radio back then, which was much more prominent, which we'll get to. You're, you're. I think you'd fall into that category, of legend. Come on. Thanks. If, if when when someone says Trudy Daniels to me, you know, in my head, I, you know what I say? Riff Rock Radio News. I mean, yeah, it's riff, instant. Rock it's like Radio News. Riff Rock Radio News. Yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, um. So as as we mentioned, we're gonna. We're, I'm sorry. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's it rolled off yeah. the tongue, and and, and that's an happened. aspect of of what you do that I want to talk about here in a little bit. But before we get. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's what I do with the show is I delve into the career of everybody because everybody knows, you know, the radio's people and what stations they like. But there's a big long, you know, road to that before you before you were on Riff, you were at several radio stations. We're going to get to that, but before we get to the early days of radio, I want to right now you're doing a lot of stuff. Radio's keeping you pretty busy right here in 2023 between yeah. radio and podcasting. Yeah. Talk about what you're working on because you're 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 one of those few guests who are still working in radio actively. <laughs> Well, um, I start out my day at about 8.30 here at Wheels, iHeartRadio. And uh, that, of course, came on the air about four years ago. It'll be four years, March 1st. And uh, it was just an intrepid adventure to come into rock and roll and handle like both ends of it, uh, 70s, 80s, and then 90s. And um so we've done that for four years. I do middays. Wow. I love it. I never um, knew how to jock a show before I came in here. I was part of an that's, ensemble. That's much different with, than what you were doing, right? Much different yeah, than what was, you were doing. I was part to, of yeah. an ensemble with a Drew and Mike show. So I'd really never, aside from doing a little bit of Traverse City, 
um, I'd really never done a show by myself. So it was uh, it was a learning experience on the job, on the fly. And then uh, I cut out at about two, have some lunch, and then go to Ferndale and uh, do the Drew and Mike show, which everybody's familiar with. We, yeah. we did that show for 23 years. We're still doing it. People are always telling me, um, oh, I love that show. And I'm like, hey, it's still there. So It's still on, yes, and you're still <laughs> making great radio. And, yeah. and I do have some questions later on, but I like to go in a, uh, you know, chronological manner but before we get to your career in radio um i always like to start off the interviews by asking folks way before you got into radio um what is your earliest memory of listening to the radio that's a good question um because i never thought i'd end up here but i did remember going to concerts as a teenager i love going to concerts and i was in cleveland at a world series of rock and betty corvan from wmms was up on stage and she was bringing a band on. I forget what band it was, but it was probably like uh, Ted Nugent, Aerosmith, that one. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool because <laughs> you can do rock and roll, still love going to concerts and stuff like that, and then have a job in it. So yeah. that was kind of my first. I, I, also, I used to listen to CKLW, too, you know, like everybody did around this area. And, uh, and I would listen for hours to try to request a song. And now all of that is coming at me. You know, people call in and request songs. It's weird, it's weird how it's full circle. But uh, You know, I, you, you mentioned I, one of my next questions. My next question was, who were you listening to? You mentioned CKLW. Do you remember some of the personalities? Was Because CKLW is very <laughs> interesting because you, and, and, and your, your background is in news. But as popular as it was because of Rosalie and, and the songs being played, yeah. Yeah. It was also garnering listeners uh, to an aspect of radio that other stations, it was a tune out and that's 2020 news. It was just, it was like a, a bionic station, yeah. but as far yeah. as personalities, do you remember people that you like listening oh, to? God, even yeah. if it wasn't McGregor. I mean, the dude was legend. I was, um, before I actually started in radio, I worked at a bank for a while and remember driving in, listening to CKLW because it was in the dead zone of Ohio. And so not much came in. And so I'd listen to, you know, CKLW and listen to Byron McGregor, 2020 news. Uh, if it bleeds, it leads. I know that wasn't his, he didn't make that <laughs> famous, but that was kind of his deal. And it was like, it was such a mystery what was going on yeah. up here in Detroit, but I listened to that. I always, I always, I always like to say that that Byron McGregor and the other guys in the 2020 newsroom made Detroit sound like Gotham City. <laughs> no, it was true. It's true. And when I was in college, though, then I got to see. The, I, I got the flip side of it. I listened to Riff back in the day. It was um, um, jo Jim and George, um, George Bear and uh, Jim Johnson, and you know they had that like parrot sidekick that they did which yeah. is just one of i think george bear's voices um yeah. and i was just like you know what the hell is all this stuff it's so you know it's kind of weird i hadn't really as a as a kid a lot of people start out when they're like 14 um jay towers down the hallway was like i started radio when i was 15 but it was still a mystery to me when i went to college wow. i didn't i wasn't sure at bowling green i i wasn't sure that i'd actually do this and then all of a sudden there i am in it well <laughs> And let's 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 start from the beginning. Obviously, you're a fan of radio. You grew up listening to it, but that's a far cry from getting involved as it as an occupation. Right. When and how did you pursue your first gig in radio? And and how did did you have an epiphany? Do you were like, or was it just kind of bounce into it? How did that? How did you and and the the the, the job of radio uh, intertwine? 
I fell into it. Um, I interned. Well, so I, I took up broadcasting in college um, because a professor said, hey, you, um, I, I was going to write. I was going to do newspaper. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um Sorry, no offense right? against the newspaper, no, but right. it's not its finest uh, hour. But um, no. yeah, so I was, and and my professor was like, "Hey, it's it's kind of big in broadcasting for women right now." So I made that I made that my course um, of study and and pursued all of that and took all the you know like studio training and ended up um, at WTOL in Toledo doing a TV internship for the summer, and upstairs was. Um, WIOT, and coincidentally, the person in Toledo, in Toledo, right? Yep, in Toledo. in Toledo. And um, just coincidentally, um, Jane Perry was leaving her job to go to law school, and I fell into that job. Wow. So my wow. first job was with Buck McWilliams. We did a morning show together. First radio gig that I'd ever done doing a morning show, and uh, it was pretty crazy. What do you remember about that time? Because it must seem like a lifetime ago, as many jobs as you've had since then. Um, it is. Um, it's not that far away, though. But it, I just remember, you know, like I I was pretty serious about news back then. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. um, right. I took it very seriously. And then, you know, eventually rock and roll radio wouldn't be into it anymore. But, uh, but you know, but it, it took a little while to sort of get into the whole having a partner sort of thing and being a sure. sidekick. But it was my, I remember all of it. It was great. Uh, it was a good time. We, you know, did a lot of appearances at bars and stuff like that. And now, now I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. Where did you grow up? I, uh, Sandusky, Ohio. <laughs> okay. So not too far from, from, from Toledo. Yeah. Well, and so I yeah. was kind of in that like sweet zone between Toledo and Cleveland so I listened to both. Both of those were my rock and roll experience growing up. I know a lot of kids my age would be like, you're lucky you lived by Cedar Point. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on. That was, in, 90, in 82, you got hired at uh, WLVQ in Columbus, where you served as news director and air personality. How did this opportunity present itself? Um, hmm, yeah, so Bowling Green was kind of my connection with that Um the guy that I would eventually partner with there went to Bowling Green. And so he was on the morning show. His name is Pat Still. People around here might remember him. He worked for Riff doing the morning show for a while. Pat and Wags um, were one of the interim morning shows. And uh, he and the program or the um, general manager were both Falcons. And I don't know, they just, they just called me up and asked me if I wanted to do it. I think there was a consultant who was sort of, you know, like, the go-between who yeah. heard me and thought it would be a good fit. And so um, again, the person who did the news was leaving for another career. And so again, I fell into another job in Columbus and uh, now, that was just, fun. So just I, I've heard of Columbus, but how big is compare it to a Michigan city on how big of a market it is? Um, the Columbus market, it, I don't think it's as big as the Cleveland market. It's certainly not as big as Detroit. I, I don't know if it was in the 20s, maybe. Okay. Um, the, it, the weird thing about so it, So maybe though, like, in, kind of, like Grand Rapids, maybe. Like Grand Rapids. Maybe. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, LDQ is a, is a great rock station. I mean, they've been around for a really long time. Um, so they're one of the best. You know, like LVQ and, D, and uh, TUE and Dayton were great rock stations, great heritage rock stations back then. But, yeah, it was probably a mid-market move. 
Now, one then. thing that struck me about that stop is it was your second job. And I, I contend that you learn yeah. more from your second job than you do your first job because you kind of evolved and, and get it. You're like, okay, this works, this doesn't work. But what <laughs> stuck with me is that you were yeah. there for eight years. Eight years yeah. is a long time for a second job. Talk to me about why you were there that long and how your, your role maybe evolved at the station. I, I think at that time, um, radio morning shows, you know, would – we're kind of solid. Uh, it was just one of those things that if you developed one, people stuck with it. It was more profitable than, you know, venturing out. And I, I, my theory is, is that that was sort of the beginning of the era of the morning show. Right. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was fun there. And, and I think um, Pat and Wags were great partners. Um, Pat went somewhere else and, uh, well, both Pat and Wags came up here, ironically, to Detroit, and that's when they started putting other hosts in. You know, as I remember, Ron, I'm glad you asked that question because now they they started, you know, experimenting with other people in the role of the host, and I guess it just wasn't, you know, the same. So, sure, um, I heard from somebody else, and I ended up in um, Sacramento after that. That's what so. I was going to ask you about. That's the move that I'm really curious about. You leave Ohio, which is your home. Now you're going to California. How did this opportunity present itself? And was that a no-brainer for you at the time? That that actually happened um, through um, another consultant who uh, okay. hit me up sort of on the sly. And he goes, hey, uh, you want to go out there? Um, the the radio station was KZAP. That was um, another one of those great heritage rock stations. Um, there was a little bit of a, an issue, though, um, with the way I was hired in. And I ended up um, stay, staying there for about a month and um, kind of wondering what I was going to do with myself. Um, it was a complicated situation. <laughs> I'm not, I don't even know if I'm at liberty to talk about, it, but I ended up, you know, kind of walking the dog all day long and the baby in the stroller. And then right. Great, Great American, which then became JCOR, which is, you know, I mean, uh, it was Taft Broadcasting. I mean, it'd been a lot of things. And um, they're like, hey, we we heard that you don't have a job. They were the people that I left in Columbus, and they hired me again at their I station in Sacramento. So that's what I was curious about is because how many radio stations in California know about an Ohio news person? I mean, that was just so that that <laughs> makes sense. Um, but you were only there for like a cup of coffee because like four or five months. And then you went across the country to WZOU. You, explain to right. me why you were there for only a short time and then how that opportunity landed itself across the country from Sacramento to Boston. That's a that's a trek. <laughs> so when they hired me at um, back at the Great American Radio Station, I forget what the original call letters are. It wasn't it, it was KSEG? KSEG, I think? It turned into KSEG. Okay. So it actually had a format flip while I was there. And my co-host... Um, John Edwards and I um, did that for a little while and then he got a job offer in Boston and then he asked me if I wanted to go along and I traipsed all the way across the country with a kid like three years old at the time and uh, and set up shop in Boston. So Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's... That, was, that was for only like about a year but man, Boston, what a great city that is. Yeah. You can never... You know, I mean, get to as many restaurants as there are in uh, Boston. As, as someone who time, grew up in the it was fleeting. 
As someone who grew up in the Midwest, what was it like to live there? It had to be culture shock a bit, no? It's different. Um, it was great living there. I mean, I, I vacationed there a couple of times in the past, so I, I, you know, I knew it was just a beautiful place to be, a great culture. The, the one thing that was kind of funny is that it's a little bit of a conceit. They didn't think uh, civilization existed <laughs> west of the borders of Massachusetts. And so you'd say, um, yeah, I'm from Ohio. And boy, I mean... With you say I'm from Ohio here in Michigan, it, there's a, kind of a look that you get. But, right. you know, just imagine being in Boston. I mean, I don't know if they, they thought it was a civilized part of the country. Animals, heathens <laughs> over there. Yeah. Um, so from so I want to stick with Boston because this was like the late 80s, early 90s, right? Yeah, I think it was like maybe 90 like 89 to okay. 90. So, yeah. So you were there. So also on air talent and news director at that station as well? Yeah. Yeah. Doing the same thing. Co host morning show with John Edwards. Johnny in the morning is what um, he called himself, what the name of the show was. And then uh, um, I got a, another job inquiry, you know, in about a, I don't know, it was maybe two years. And it was to come back to Detroit. And uh, so a little station was, called uh, you know, what's that station? I think uh, WRIF. Isn't that the station? Am yeah, I thinking right? <laughs> Came to work with Rip. And um, before I made up my mind, they invited me to come into town and meet Drew. And I just remember it was like right around. It was in November, and it was right around I guess Thanksgiving. And so I came in, and my parents lived in Ohio, so they met me up here and uh, had dinner. And then the next day, I went to uh, hang out and meet Drew. And, um, I, you know, I just remember, like, being kind of um, uptight, you know, like, I wasn't sure where he was coming from and all of that. And right. he was absolutely just the most, um, you know, the, the, the most outgoing, fun, you know, hilarious person. And, uh, but, you know, but first I'm like, oh, God, where is this guy coming from? And he was asking me some of the bits that we did on the air in Boston. And so I'm telling him we used to do like a Dr. Kevorkian bit. And uh, and he goes, oh, I'm not judging you. I'm just trying to steal bits from you. And I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm just fine. <laughs> I like this. You know, the, these are questions that I had for later on when we come full circle. But I'm going to ask my Drew Lane questions now since you brought him up. I, 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 I In 2000, well, I'll get to that in a second. For Drew Lane, I think if there's a Mount Rushmore for entertaining broadcasters, to me, he's on it. And I just want to yeah. ask you from someone who's worked on it. I mean, he does so many. He can. He can. He he just. He, any one given topic in the hands of Drew Lane to me is like Plato. He he does. He put. He builds like eight things with it before he puts it away. It's just I've never. I, I don't think he gets enough respect for being a radio broadcaster. You yeah, that, getting and, to work? Explain that. that. Yeah, and it's and it's never in the direction that you think it's going to go, or any in the in the direction that any other radio show might might take it. He has that gift of thinking at, about a thing from a different point of view. So you know, like a lot of people use prep services to do their show. Drew would never approach anything from that angle, and it was always the most unique look at a, a topic. Yeah. Um, and 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 the other thing that he's just amazing at is interviewing people on the fly. Oh. I mean, he could always just roll with anybody on the phone. We have uh, excerpts of the show that we use on the podcast. And I remember us talking to Gary Coleman. 
and uh, and he just like you know he he just wasn't having it and and it was another you know stupid radio show interrupting his job and he just let him, let us have it and I just remember you know like Drew acting kind of wounded and affronted that he was mad <laughs> <laughs> and then Clark of course you know wrapping it up with you little. Yeah, you know, oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. That was brilliant radio. And if yeah. I'm not mistaken, that was they called him about the time that the Kid Rock video came out that he was in it. If I'm not mistaken, but I want to say, growing up in the Detroit area, that was must. You guys, the Drew and Mike show with Trudy Daniels, that was must listen to radio because you every day was different, and it was, and to me, the fact that Howard Stern never caught on in Detroit is because of the Drew and Mike show period end of i mean he blew up everywhere else except for here even right. when they right. when they brought yeah. him in at 971 right and and you know what all the credit goes to the people who listened and how faithful and loyal they were and you know i mean to this day you'll meet people who listen to us back then they listen to the podcast now they'll show up at some of our events and they have their kids with them like yeah. you know a guy who started listening with his mom and uh you know or somebody who started listening with their dad or, and you know, it, our show wasn't very clean, but you could, you could, I don't think you could do it these, like that today. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Morning shows are kind of a different area. You know, they're sort of a different animal. Um, but yeah, sure. um, you know, after the Super Bowl with Janet Jackson, uh, they did clamp oh. down on morning shows a bit. I don't know why we got in trouble for that, but we did. That was weird. Radio got to blame for that. But you know, I, if yeah. I ever, if I'm in a bad mood and I need to laugh, I have it on my computer. I pull up the, the, the uh, Bell for Blows clip. To me, that was the funniest fucking thing <laughs> yes. I yeah. had ever heard. I yeah. mean, that Donald was Trump the kind of stuff that pull over the side of the road, whether it be Kramer <laughs> Blows Belfer blows arguably probably the best one just because so yeah. I mean just whoever was ringing that bell it was just like a comedy orgasmic experience it's like ding <laughs> Belfer yeah. blows ding ding but yeah it was brilliant radio but that was just one the Harris's Mr the Harris oh my gosh yeah, I I still remember on April Fools when when he gave him shit like why the fuck are you still calling me what do you have nothing better to you remember that when he gave him the business and they were like and I think I don't know. Drew might have been acting, but to me, it was like he chastised them. They're like, "Well, we just thought you enjoyed these conversations like we did." But he, it was, <laughs> it was just, it was I brilliant. Know. I don't, yeah, yeah, but stuff like that. It was just, it was, and you never knew day in day out what was gonna what was gonna be funny. But you knew if you tuned into one hundred one point one, you're gonna laugh your ass off. Yeah, well, I mean, it was entirely organic too. No one pre wrote anything. It, we all acted as an ensemble, and yeah. I mean, there were certain things that were pre-recorded. Of course, you remember Cliff Notes Theater, um, all those brilliant productions that were put together. But yeah, it was. It and was I want to bring up. And, uh, I want to. I want to bring up something that you actually brought to the table because I mean, it's it's not a second thought now, but at the time, you know, I, I think it's depicted in Howard Stern's movie. Speaking of him, but it was not that common for the news people to talk to the disc jockeys. So. Right. It wasn't yeah. like you were you were stealing a. Uh, that's the way it was. That was different. But and that's which leads to me to my next question. When and how did you uh, you pair up with Drew and Mike? And when? How long before you guys? Okay, this format that we're doing, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Just keep doing it over. When did you realize? Okay, this is how we're supposed to do it. Um, well, that was an evolution, actually. I I hooked up with them in 91. Um, they had been at it for, and it was true and zip. 
and they'd been at it for a couple of months before I came in. Um, and they, um, and again, you know, uh, because Lynn Woodison didn't want to do it, I got that job. It's always because right. <laughs> somebody in the news person role was going on to something else moving forward, and uh, and I got the gig. But um, yeah, so, but we first started out playing more music than we did bits. And, um, and it was a while, too, before I feel like Detroit was ready to accept us. Um, but I remember being at a St. Patrick's Day party. It may have been that same March in, like, 1991. I came in in January. And um, we were downriver at a bar, and all of a sudden we heard people, like, yelling out drops and stuff, you know, like we had used <laughs> on the show. And it was like, oh, right. wow, okay. They're on board. And it was that kind of loyalty to you know, the show, listening to the show and, and then repeating it back and being on board with all the bits. And I realized that we were there. And then we did the show for quite a while. And then little by little, my news just started to be part of it because, you know, like we, it sort of interacted. It wasn't just a news segment, but they interacted. And I always kind of look for things like that anyway. You know, my, I, I, you know, I wasn't, trying to do bummer news or or yeah no you know, yeah deep but also yeah. stuff with substance but stuff that you can make a joke out of in the end so that might have a punchline that they could throw in can you tell me when and where you were when you realized that you you lost your uh you know being anonymous you realized oh, oh my <laughs> gosh people know who i am that had to be weird first time uh Wow, I don't think I, I don't know if I can. I do know that at some point along the line, I stopped wearing like pajama pants and stuff to stores <laughs> and going out without yeah. makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was just like, oh, you never know what's, you know, when somebody's, somebody's going to see know who you I and am. go. Yeah. <laughs> and what's then you the, well, end up in the National Enquirer. Oh, yeah. Well, nobody wants that. <laughs> and that, that feature nobody they have for that. people who are caught without their makeup. <laughs> well, if not, if not for that, then let me ask you this: When, when do you did you realize? And I, you kind of gave me an example of that just then. But when did you realize that not only were you recognizable, but oh my gosh, we're really onto something here. This is this is this is bigger than just a successful morning show. I, yeah, I think it was in it was it was within the first year. I mean, I think it really caught fire. We had some like kick ass interviews. I mean, Joe Walsh and. Um, Glenn Fry flew in yeah. to do our show um, completely without awesome. sleep and possibly inebriated, inebriated. I mean, John Mellencamp did our show. So, you know, that kind of stuff brings people in to listen and then they're hooked. And I guess, I don't know, it was probably within the first year. I can, I kind of go by what building we were in at the time. And we were in the, that building in Southfield and uh, yeah, it, it was pretty early in the game but it, it has so many it evolved in so many different ways after that too so just never stopped growing i have to ask you this and you know you could tell me to pound sand and maybe it's a secret if you if you don't want to tell me but i've always wondered how you guys and, and i'm sure it was probably drew but who knows it could have been a producer or you could have been yourself how did you guys get the phone numbers of these hotels that these celebrities were in and there was countless ones that you guys would cold call somebody <laughs> And then say you guys were supposed to have a meeting, and it's just you're lying to these people. And and how did you was was it did that come from the listeners? Or how did you guys go ahead? Oh, like John Madden. Yeah, John Madden. Yes. Yeah, um, 
I mean, it, you could just look those up. It's it's just a you know phone call to information, and um, that was kind of before computers were super yeah. effective. But you just called information, got the hotel, and then and then called the front desk. And wow. you know the the art of it is in bluffing your way through. Yes, and it worked. It doesn't so much anymore. They're kind of yeah. onto it, but yeah, yeah. It's getting yeah. like when you turn into some of these morning shows and they're doing you know. Like stuff that Dick Purton used to do with the with the. I mean, I still listen to that Porsche call. Have you ever you've heard that one? Haven't you? The Porsche call. That's oh, the well, that's the put on call that really made him famous. I'd check that out if I were you. But no, um, I don't want to get right. off topic because I will. You and I could go off on a tangent. But I want to ask you because we've talked about <laughs> the Harris Poll, Belfer blows, cold call celebrities. Do you have a favorite uh, bit or a, you know a, a favorite reoccurring theme that you guys that was just you just had a ball doing? I mean, I'm sure they were all fun, but you have one that uh, you look back with more fondness than the others. Um, I mean, they did a lot more of the bits, you know, and I, I kind of came in and and uh, you know, like was in the middle of it. Um, but I, I have to think, you know, like the uh, we're on the air one day, and um, I think somebody in either news, the newspaper, or somebody accused us of being um, radio for people who don't have jobs. So <laughs> so this was just, you know, it wasn't even a bit that was intended. It just came, it springs out of somebody making that sort of insult and Drew going on the air and asking people, you know, like, uh, you know, what's your job? Give us a call. And then we ended up having all kinds of people call in and they're like, you know, I work at such and such hospital and I listen to you guys and the phone calls were, were hilarious. They were great. And it, yeah. I think the audience interaction was part of my favorite part, because again, that was completely unscripted, organic, you know, it just happened and people contributed as much uh, to that show as we did. The other part was um, people, um, calling in and making a collect call for, Hey, would you blow me leaving a collect call? You know, what, what's your name? And the person would yeah. leave their name. Hey, would you blow me? Um, you know, it, it's hard to describe something as spontaneous as that, but. Um, before we leave the Drew and Mike era from the riff days, uh, what was, uh, what was that last show? Like, was that, uh, was that a hard show to do knowing you guys are number one in the market kicking ass and and this was going to be your last to rot riff what was that that must have been very uh bittersweet it 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 was like i mean i don't know if you've ever been in a car accident and you're stunned to the point of actually there's some sort of kind of numbness and you're just kind of walking through it um it felt like that it it was it was very sad just now, really, how long do you do you remember how long you guys were told before your last actually last show, and and what was that like working there, knowing that you were like you know dead man like walking type month, of situation? I think. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. And so yeah, what I don't you, know. You just ahead. come in and do the same thing. Yeah. So what did you do after and, that? I mean, 2013, you go from being the number one show to now, you know, you're not working in radio. What did you do with yourself? Was there opportunities that you turned down? How did what did you do with yourself after the after the Drew and Mike show went off the air? Um, I, I, um, almost immediately got, um, you know, when they, when they announced that they were going in a different direction, um, the radio station down the hall, um, wondered if I wanted to come over there. And so 
after our last day, that's what I did. I picked up and went to WCSX. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and how obviously a big difference in your job job uh, duties. How did that change for you professionally? Obviously, you're not, not part of a number one show anymore, but. Well, nor a part of an ensemble, but I got to work with the great Ken Calvert, who was yes. incredibly welcoming and warm. And there's so much. I mean, I. I don't remember growing up with Ken Calvert because I was out of the market. So there was a lot to discover about Ken Calvert and, you know, like the kind of bits that Ken was into and his humor. And so that was a whole new experience for me. And he's great. He's really, you know, I mean, he's also not one of those people who was super carried away with himself. Right. Even though he's interviewed almost everyone in the free yes. world. Um when he was on WJR and, and yeah. he was the voice of the Pistons and he's, he was a cool guy. Another just, Mount Rushmore broadcaster his, in my opinion. Yeah. Why? Yeah, absolutely. And his wife, uh, very cool too. You know, she was very welcoming and I mean that, that made it easier that, that made it, sure. a, um, you know, less of a, a difficult transition, but you know, it was, it was hard to, navigate because it was it was again it was one of those it was a new role for me and um so you know it had i had to get my footing all over again and and sort of start again so i do i do want to ask you one aspect of it because it wasn't just at riff it, you've you've done mornings at several other radio stations and i i did a morning show uh for a few years and i have to tell you even even uh, it, it, because you we I, I always say we work in the toy department we're not digging ditches. We, we work in the toy department. <laughs> yes, and, and even though it was a radio job to work, to get up at, and have to be at the station at four or five, five thirty at the latest, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, how did you get used to that? Because for me, I mean, I'm not a night owl anymore, but when I was we're doing the morning show, I'd go to bed 12 at one and then have to get up at four. And you just, I can't <laughs> imagine doing that as long as you did. How did you do it? I, you know, I really don't know to this day how I did it, but I can't sleep in even though I have the opportunity to now. So it's one of those things where you have to force yourself, you know, and, and get up. And I mean, I, I guess ambition drives you to get out of bed and, and make yourself do it and, you know, be awake. And, um, I, you know, I, I went through, I was, you know, I was pregnant part of the time and, yeah. you know, that makes it even more difficult. And, uh, but you, you just, you have to just get up and do it. I, I, I was never one of those people who could like stay out till all hours and, and kind of do a show, but I did have a lot of opportunities to host, you know, like during a school night, riff nights out at yeah. bars and stuff like that, where, you know, the, the account executive was trying to get you to like stay a little longer and you're like, Oh man, I got to get home. Well, another thing that I wanted to ask you and, and I always got a kick out of this when people would ask me about, you know, worrying about being late for a morning show. I always say, Hey, when you go to work, are you stressed about being late? Yes. Imagine if you were late and everybody knows that you're late, you can't hide. You can't have somebody punch yeah. in for you. If you are supposed to be on the air at 6 a.m. and you're not there, everybody who's listening knows you're late. And that's some stress. Let me tell you, that's some stressful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, absolutely. But, you know, Screaming Scott was always there to, as backup. In fact, it yeah. was his job on Rift to call Mike Clark and get him out of bed. But you're right about oh. that. Um, yeah, if you're late, you're late. It's something that um, the morning show 
uh, came to call uh, Jacina-ing in um, because at one point, I think Drew heard Roberta Jacina, who I think, we suspect, she was also late, but she was doing a report from her car about road conditions and in, in a genius move in order to cover up the fact that she maybe was blowing in a little late. <laughs> That's so funny. that stuck and she's brilliant. And you know what? I was really sorry to see her go because yeah. she's great uh, newscaster. But um, yeah. we uh, we yeah, we invented the word Justina ing in, which means that the show has already begun and you kind of slide into the chair and act like you've been Just, there. <laughs> exactly. J.P. McCarthy, there's infamous stories about J.P. rolling into Jr. late. Um, oh, yeah. In, in, in 2016, well, that's why his intro was so long, because they would just play his intro until he sat in the chair. <laughs> yeah, in, that's a good thing, too, is uh, yeah, make the back with music long. Like when the guys yeah. uh, maybe went out for a smoke, the back with music was, <laughs> was always like uh, Franz Ferdinand or something like that that was longer. Yeah. Oh, the, the struggle was real. The struggle was real, especially pre-digital. <laughs> yes. Was. Pre-digital, it was a nightmare. Uh, in yeah. 2016, Trudy, you got back, you got the band back together, so to speak, when you began working with Drew Lane again on the Drew and Mike podcast. Uh, how did this opportunity emerge? Um, they had been doing it for a while and kept inviting me to come to their playground. And, um, you know, I, I kind of had to ask permission before I was allowed to do it. And mm. um, general manager at the time gave permission with a series of conditions. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's when I, the first time that I, uh, you know, got to join up and, uh, and then I couldn't believe that I waited so long. I think I had reservations. Like I wasn't sure whether, you know, it would work out. It was totally unfamiliar doing a podcast and, uh, and, you know, once you get in there, all of a sudden you're back with your gang again. And you know what? what I I mean, those guys are, I think I may have said this to you, forgive me if I have, but they are the longest relationship that I've had outside of, you know, with my son. So, well, it's no it's a pretty, secret. Uh, that, pretty lengthy. It's no secret record. that rela- re- relationships aren't conducive to radio, just especially when you're doing a morning <laughs> That's show. That's true. My first, my first marriage ended because I was doing a morning show, but that's a whole other matter. Um, really? Now I do want to ask you, oh, yeah, it was a big reason. Uh, you know, you have to be, you know, it's part of your life. You talk about your life on the radio, and some people just don't like that. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, how is it different doing the podcast as opposed to what you guys were doing at Riff? Is it, is it the same idea? Is it, what's, what's, the, what's the daily, the daily uh, grind like? Is it different? Well, I think you know that, you know, when you're – when you're on a, a hot mic in a radio station, there's some some sort of a governor that keeps you from spitting expletives. And you, I mean, the FCC thing chip is in your head, um, but you're a lot freer on the podcast. You can kind of do more of, you know, just say whatever, right. you know, like in the midst of some sort of passionate thing that you have to say, hey, there you are. Um, yeah, you can say whatever you want. Um, it also just, I don't know, I feel uh, like way more at ease in that format. So it sort of freed me to feel more, um, less constrained and more free to say what I want or, you know, you know, throw down a, a wiseacre remark that part of the social media thing that evolved with us then are the Drew and Mike fans on social media and they reaffirm you, you know, like they'll say, Hey, I heard you say this last night. So 
that atmosphere, it just fosters it. It's a big circle, uh, circle yeah. of life, you might say, but like it really that. does. They, they, you know, confirm you and you are validated by them and, and you give them back what they give and all that. It's, I feel like listeners on my wheel show are, you know, they're part of the program. And some of the guys that contribute to the show and, and sometimes women, um, on a daily basis, call me. <laughs> We're how like do you, friends how do you that like to that met. point? How do you, as a news person, it's not not something you normally do unless you're talking to a newsmaker. But how are you enjoying working the phones into your show? That's a whole new aspect. I love it. I'm sure. Yeah. I love it. I I mean, I would never do a show without talking to the people who are listening. I mean, you just feel, you know, like untethered, like that Chinese balloon. You're just looming around in a room, and when you've got people calling in, you know, you're connected then. And, um, and, and it's the greatest moment for me too, when one of them reacts to something that I said and calls it calls in, it's not like it was when we were doing the, doing the morning show that people would call in in reaction to what you say, but, but there are still those kinds of people out there and, and I hear from them and it's like the greatest day I've ever had, you know, when they call, I had a guy call me today who just wanted to request BTO because he used to listen to it with his dad. It reminded him of his dad. And I, and he just happened to be the 10th caller in our free beer giveaway. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I can give you a free beer too. And he goes, oh no, I don't want to do that. Can you give it to the next person? You know, like, oh my God. Um, he was like the sweetest person who didn't want to be a prize pig. And I'm like, wow. you've won like two things in the past two years, dude. Yeah. But, you know, That's like funny. talking to people like that who have a great story to tell, you know, like it used to be something I listened to my dad with and it affected me. And, and when I hear those things, you know, it, it really gets me. It's it's great. It humanizes radio and it's so necessary. Well, I'll take this opportunity to, to share my fandom because uh, to be honest with you, I've admired your work from a lot for a long time because not only were you entertaining on Drew and Mike, but when I got into radio, which was in 2000, I, I started as a news reporter started working as a news director and doing that created some opportunities for myself doing morning shows. It was kind of like, but on, you know, smaller markets, but anyway, you know, my, one of my favorite yeah. filmmakers is Quentin Tarantino. And a lot, the big oh, yeah. reason for it is, is because his editor who's no longer with us. Uh, I don't know if you have ever heard of Sally Minky. Sally Minky was his editor. Howard, uh, Tarantino's gone on record to say his only true collaborator is Sally Minky. He was she was the one that edited all his films. And so I I, I just really? always admire her. And so my my biggest role models in movies is her. And in radio, I just have always loved how now now don't get me wrong, I don't have that, as Ken Calvert would say, I don't have that tasty voice that Trudy Daniels has in a female type of version. But <laughs> well, you have a good, uh, you have good radio points though. Well, yeah, it, it, but it's, it's something you learn to do. But my point is, is I've always enjoyed the way you did things, the way you, you, you presented yourself and, and you seem, I don't know how you do it, but you make it seem so flawless and easy. You're so natural at it. And I guess, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from uh, Ray and, and they ask in the movie, they ask Jamie Foxx's character, you know, how do you do what you do? Uh, how, how do you play the piano? And Ray Charles goes, I just do what it do, baby. And so I imagine I'm going to get the same kind yeah. of answer from you. But how did you, how did you develop your style? I mean, because you are very good at re relaying, uh, whether you're doing the news or your air shift, you, you're very good on the air. And, and I think sometimes that goes unnoticed. Oh, thanks. No, I appreciate that. Um, I, yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of second what Ray has to say. It comes through you, but 
not for, you know, having, I, I remember my first job in Toledo, I would do news and then I would go home and like lay in bed and go, boy, I could have said that better. I could have done something like that. So yeah. I, I did a whole critique in my head of what I was doing. And then, you know, like just determined to try to top it and be better at it. I, <clears throat> I also, um, you know, I, I mean, the facts are lost these days, but I would go to great lengths to research something before I talked about it. I remember trying to read the Journal of the American Medical Association, which <laughs> is ridiculously complex. But just to find out about one particular thing that I was interested in and justify, you know, a story yeah. that I was doing. So, um, but yeah, it's, and, and a lot of, you know, what I, how I feel like I do my job comes through comedy that I watch. You know, I mean, I'm a fan of the way people write on television. It gives me an excuse to watch television for a living. It's part of my job and movies. And, uh, and I read a lot. I was, you know, like a big science fiction head back in, when I was growing up, I just did nothing but read science fiction. So, well, um, I, you know what? I'm going to leave. I'm going to so segue this into this because nerd. doing research. I'm sorry. Say that again. Just a you know, kind of a nerd too, and a big you know, like car nerd and all kinds of you know, atypical things for women. I, I, it's funny that you said this because uh, someone told me while I was prepping for this interview with you that you were a bit of a space nerd. Is this true? And maybe <laughs> yeah. I, they get. If yes. so, could you tell me how how that came to be? What's that about? Oh, my dad worked for NASA. So Oh, okay. It, the plot thickens. I have questions yeah. now. Go on. <laughs> yeah, it just captured my imagination because he worked for NASA and we would always watch space launches together. And I had kind of a, oh, hey, my dad is part of that. He worked for NASA, mind you, a test facility in Sandusky, Ohio. It's far from Cape Canaveral, but... He actually did get when I when he passed away and I was cleaning out his house, I found, um, you know, like a, a plaque that he had received from the director of I guess they all got from the director of NASA at the time for his participation in the Apollo missions. So wow, um, that's it, cool. It, it just, that's cool. It was fascinating. Yeah. And he used to take us out there. Um, they would have company picnics and stuff in the research facility there in uh Sandusky was really weird and ominous. And they did have a big nuclear reactor out there that's since been, um, <clears throat> you know, like they have to like decommission it. But yeah, it was cool. It was like other otherworldly. So my, my who first who job said I was a space nerd. Ken Calvert. I told him I wasn't going to throw him under the bus, <laughs> but Ken Calvert told me that. All right. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad that he noticed that about me. <laughs> See, now I'm feeling guilty about that. Anyway, um, I do want to ask you this question because this is fascinating to me. I, one of my first jobs in radio, actually my first job in radio, was I answered phones for Joe Gannon, the appliance doctor at JR. And he, one of the oh, things nice. he taught me, it was cool. And one of, the things, uh, one of the things he taught me is he said, treat celebrities like they're everyday people and treat everyday people like they're celebrities and you'll, have, you'll, you'll be successful yeah. in this business. So yeah. I, I say that to ask you this. Have you ever been in the presence of an artist and or celebrity that you just like had to control yourself not to be like a fan? Oh, God, so every time. <laughs> if, if I admire someone, I'm then like, I, I'm tongue-tied. I can't. I mean, yeah. it's easier now, but I remember meeting Stevie Ray Vaughan and I was so in love with his music. And I couldn't really say anything. And it was great because he's shy and he couldn't say anything either. So we took a picture <laughs> and uh, yeah, 
Um, and I loved him through his music. And, you know, Jimmy Kimmel came to the radio station one time. He's one of those people, though, he he does, he, he understands that. He practices that and he treats um, everyone like they're, you know, celebrities, too. Yeah. And um, he was cool. Um, and he I, I remember him asking me, he goes, so they make you um, sit down in this other room down here? Why aren't you in the big room? Can't even sit in the big <laughs> like, room. Wow. He's observant. Yeah. He knows. Well, I mean, he worked in radio, so he knows what it's like. Hey, I wanted to say, though, um, your Tarantino love, something about uh, Quentin Tarantino. Um, he um, he knows someone named Trudy. I know this for a fact because, of course, Trudy was in Pulp Fiction. Yes. The chick with the stuff in her face. Yes. And um, in um, Once Upon a Time, what is it? Once Upon a Time in Once Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. There's a scene of a director's chair, you know, in the set that they were working on. And the girl's name was Trudy. And I was Trudy. like, who does he know who's Trudy? It could be you. Who knows? I, when I <laughs> I get excited when my, when I see my name places because it's Because really it's spelled very, right, um, too. It's, it's spelled with an I as well, isn't it? Trudy's. Isn't it, it is, spelled yeah. with an I? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they spelled it correctly. It is. Um, all right. So to, my next question is, is as we, I only have a couple more for you. Um, we, we talked about a couple that you mentioned there, but w who out of all the countless interviews that you've done with artists and other celebrities, do you have one or two that you're most proud of and why? Joe Walsh, um, again, love Joe Walsh. And he was as fun as he, I mean, we talked to him when he was in the studio um, back on the Drew and Mike show, but then he circled around and I got to talk to him when I was on CSX and he was just, he was great. And I also, Drew prompted me with a question to ask him about who did the, like the mouth thing first, him or Peter Frampton. <laughs> and he was like all over it saying, uh, oh, hell, that was me. He stole it from me. He was just That's great. Awesome. He had really... You know, no boundaries. You could ask him anything. And uh, I loved that conversation. But thank God for Drew, because I would never ask any questions if it were up to me. Um, Just recently, Todd Rundgren then. I had like an entire teenage love affair with Todd Rundgren and finally, you know, got him on the air this past year. And it was fun talking to Todd, too. And I actually confessed to him how much I loved him, um, which I don't think he knew how to process. <laughs> I think a lot of people have loved Todd, so he's used to it. <laughs> From your perspective, what is the current state of radio and, and what do you think radio needs to do to be more attractive to, to listeners? Um, I don't know. The current state of radio, I mean, it, it, from my perspective where I sit, I have fun doing my show and I'm able to um, get what I want into it. I, I feel knowledgeable about the artists and so i can talk about them without you know sounding phony and you know talking yeah. to people on the air I, I i just feel comfortable in that format it is you know i mean it's not like you can spend a half an hour talking with anybody at any point anymore um that's just not the way radio is but um i i guess i, I would love for them to do you know like um metallica is coming here in november and they're going to do a no two no repeat shows. I would love to have no repeat weekend or no repeat shows one day a week where you play, you know, like all, 
you know, songs, never repeat a song the entire day. And, and just, I mean, it would expand what we're listening to so yeah. much more. And I just think that it, it's, I, I think it's, you know, very tightly um, programmed for a, a great reason. I understand why, but it, it, it would be nice to, you know, just play something unexpected. Right. What what does the future hold for Trudy Daniels? Well, um, okay, my uh, secondary profession would have been dolphin training, so maybe I'm just gonna like uh, take up living in the Florida Keys and uh, now you're you know talking. swim all day. I don't know. Um, the immediate future is here, and uh, I love Michigan. Um, I didn't particularly think I'd end up here, but I really understand you know how cool this state is, having lived you know, even in comparison to California. And um, I just, you know, I think I'm going to stick around for a while and uh, see what happens. Um, kind of always thought at some point you'd, you know, see some sort of graceful exit, but I haven't seen anything, any any opportunity to hit the exits yet. So. Well, we're not ready for you to leave. So thank you for being and continuing <laughs> doing what you do. And I'll keep listening. My Trudy, pleasure. I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks. Trudy, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. Uh, fun being on. You ask great questions. Thank That's nice. That's very nice. Thank you again to Trudy Daniels. And thank you for checking out Radio Days, the podcast. Today's show was brought to you by Team 71 Mortgage Group. Are you looking to buy or refinance your home and have questions that need answers now? Call Brian Allure, 810-444-6466. Today's show is produced by Ron Robinson Studios. If you need professional marketing videos, photography, headshots, maybe you need drone video, head over to ronrobinsonstudios.com. You can also hear previous episodes of Radio Days, the podcast there as well. And also, if you'd like to learn more about the upcoming documentary series about the history of radio, Radio Days, 101 Years of Radio, click on the Radio Days, the movie, under the Documentaries tab at ronrobinsonstudios.com. Com. Thanks for checking out the show. Thanks again to Trudy, and uh, we'll see you next time. Until next time. You can't go. All the plants are going to die.